I'm Mindy Abair. You're listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. Pantheon Podcasts presents from Toronto, Canada, Muses, with your hosts, Shanti and Lynx, the podcast that celebrates the women of rock and roll, interviews, stories, and fabulous fun. So, grab those backstage passes and let's get to our show. Hello and welcome to Muses. I'm Shanti. And I am Lynx. And this is the podcast that is about women in music. (laughs) All about the dolls, the women, the groupies, the wives, the musicians themselves, the photographers, the journalists. We cover everything here and we love it. For those who might be new, welcome. And for those who might be like the dolls, what are you talking about? Who were the dolls? Do you want to explain maybe for some newcomers who the dolls are? Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Well, (laughs) for... Me, the dolls just represent all of the women in music in general that we have such a connection to. And of course, there's the other dolls that we're a part of, which is Miss Pamela's group of women. And how many of us are there? There must be like over 100 at this point. We're all over, spread all over the world. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just this ever-growing connection of incredible women and women who love music and women who participate in one way or another. And uh, yeah, just a beautiful groupie doll community. Awesome. That's a great way to explain it. And Miss Pamela DeBar, who who we were talking about, has recently interviewed Alice Cooper. So you'll want to head over to her podcast, Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party, also on the Pantheon Podcast Network. And you're going to want to check out everything that she's put out to date and watch out for that Alice Cooper episode. It's going to be an amazing one. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, (laughs) She really influenced him and his look, the GTOs did. So I'm sure they're going to have a great discussion. That's right. And if you're looking for more muses, you can head over to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash muses podcast. We release videos, we release audio, we do both. And I've recently put up a little poll. So our patrons are going to decide on my next episode. I gave them a couple of choices and one is definitely ranking higher than the other one. So I won't spoil it, but links I can have you if you'd like later go on to our Patreon and see I think it's going to be pretty clear who my next episode is going to be. So there's little things like that that we do in there. And if you are feeling like supporting us with the monthly tip, $2, sometimes we give you some of the videos and stuff as well. And then $5 gets you, um, yeah, videos and an episode on the alternate weeks when we're not releasing for free on Pantheon Network and on Apple Podcasts and all those places that you get your podcasts. So, And we just want to yeah, say once again, thank you to all of our Patreon members. And we have a couple new ones too. Yes. So we want to welcome Kate. We want to welcome Ellen. And we want to welcome the mysterious Library Fine. Ooh. I don't know who you are, so Library mysterious. Fine. Fought a couple of you before. Um, Tell you, had a couple of you before. Welcome. Yes. Yeah. uh, We really appreciate all the support that we get from you guys through Patreon, through Instagram, through everything. We we love hearing from you all, and yeah, keep it coming. And I've been told by our team that they do like it when you do. And yeah, if you could be so kind to leave us a nice review, we would really appreciate it. Without further ado. So how's the farm doing? Oh, yes. Let's talk about the farm. So I have been living out in the country for about two weeks now. And it's amazing. It is restful. It is wonderful being out in nature. And the cats are really happy. There's lots of things being built here. There's always something to do. I just hung some fresh laundry up on the line today. Just living that country dream. 
Yeah, pretty much. We're currently fixing up a 1972 Airstream land yacht trailer. So we're hanging out this summer out there. Um, I'm in a house, in the house recording right now. But when I'm not working inside, I'm outside just, yeah, fixing up trailer things or reading or having a fire, things like that. And we don't have any running water out in the trailer. So when I have to do dishes, I boil water and I sit outside and I do my dishes. So you know, I'm always kind of sitting pretty close to the ground and it just feels really, I don't know, feels great. feels pretty back to basics, I guess. Yeah, we were talking on our last Patreon about how you have family that are kind of country folk and you always would spend summers there. And this sounds very much like a pullback to your childhood and visiting them. And I know how much that meant to you. So it's great to see you enjoying yourself out there and enjoying the sun and just fixing up that trailer. It looks really great so far. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I definitely have a soft spot in my heart for living out in the country. And it's kind of inspired this episode. Um, I wanted to take the opportunity to get to know a little bit of country music a little bit more. I wanted the opportunity to listen to some really good country music. It's funny because we'll alternate between the oldies and then some new country and the same kind of 10 new country songs that play on the radio. We kind of know them off by heart at this point. But yeah, there's something really special about that pretty raw stuff that you're going to hear a lot of in this episode. So this episode is about the one and only Loretta Lynn. I've been really looking forward to hearing about her because I honestly don't know that much. I do remember watching the movie like many, many moons ago, and I can't really fully remember it. I remember it being worthwhile, though, but I feel like this is like the perfect time for you to be doing Loretta, and it makes perfect sense that this kind of came together at this moment and yeah I'm pumped well good I think as I do the episode you'll probably remember a bit of the movie so the movie was based on the book and this book is is what this episode was taken from and the book is called coal miner's daughter the book came out in 1975 which I was surprised because it was the book is sold out on a lot of the you know the indigos and the amazons and wherever you can find your books so I got it I got the e-version and then I watched the movie after I finished the book and the episode and that uh, movie came out in 1980 starring Sissy Spacek and Loretta Lynn handpicked Sissy to play her. Sissy followed oh, wow. Loretta around for a year. Tommy Lee Jones plays Loretta's husband, Do. The movie holds up. I really like movies from the 80s as well. That was a, you know, I I tend to really enjoy movies too before all of the, you know, green screens and CGI and and things like that. And I tend to like the pace of those movies a little bit better. So TJ and I watched it together and he's a pretty harsh critic, but he really liked the movie as well. Yeah, I mean, back then you really had to rely on story a lot more. It's not like, oh, look at this thing exploding in the background, right? Like it was the story that brings you in. So it make that makes perfect sense and I agree with you. Yeah, there's a scene in the movie where this like really kind of old-fashioned classic train comes towards them. They're standing they're standing at the train station and this, you know, the coal train come comes at them and the steam is coming up. And it was just so cool to see that. Like you never see that. I don't know. Even I don't know. Even if you did a movie now about the 1940s and 50s, I don't know if they'd really get that. They'd be able to get that kind of thing again it was just awesome Um, but I'll I'll make the comparison between the book and the movie as we get into a little bit more Um, the book was released in 2010 and then Loretta gave a little bit of a you know little extra at the beginning talking about some things that she had done since the book came out in 1975 so one thing to keep in mind if I say maybe some like statistics about her that I learned from the book. Keep in mind that if she got more awards after that, this book came out in 1975. And then I'll give you a rundown of what happened after the book up until now in her career. But if things are like, oh, no, she got more than that, or she actually won more. It's just because I'm taking 
at the time what from the, this, yeah, from the book. Yeah. That makes sense. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about, we're going to begin by talking about Loretta's early life. And one thing that people might not know about her that's pretty interesting to just say right off the bat is that her musical career came much later on in her lifetime compared to many other musicians that we've talked about in the past. And so there's a lot of episode here that is just her life before becoming the country music star Loretta Lynn. Perfect. I can't wait. Good. So we're going to go to where, go back to Loretta Webb. That's her maiden name growing up in Butcher Holler. Now, mm. one thing that I thought was interesting. So Butcher Holler was in the mountains of Kentucky and she discussed the connection between Irish music and country music. When I was listening to the country music lately, even on these new radio stations, they do mention a lot. Kentucky is in a lot of their songs. Hmm. Interesting. So I think if you would have asked me before, like, where did country music originate? Like, I, I probably would have been like, I don't know, maybe somewhere in the South. But I mean, being Canadian as well, I think that learning these things, we've kind of have to had we've gotten a little bit of somewhat of an education geographically where music has come from. I don't know. Absolutely. Anyways, uh, Loretta's mother sang a lot, as did Loretta's mother's twin sister. And it was Loretta's mother who taught her how to sing. Singing was a family thing, and Loretta's sister Crystal sings on her own tours, and her sister Peggy Sue does harmony with her. But Aww. Loretta was one of the oldest ones of, uh, of her siblings, so they came a little bit after her. So Loretta was raised with seven other children, and she oh was God. close to the oldest. Yep. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, she, yeah. And since, you know, she was close to the oldest, she was really had a responsibility in taking care of the children as well. Mm, yeah. It was like team effort, right? <laughs> it would have uh, to be. It's like a village. It certainly takes a village. And this village was called Butcher Holler. Yeah, she was happy to be surrounded by family. And at the time that she wrote the book, you know, she had kids and grandkids, and she said that her house was like Grand Central Station. Yeah. <laughs> After many years of touring and everything, you know, Loretta thought it was important that um, the readers know before getting into the book that she's her own cook. She does her own gardening. She plants her own vegetables and she pickles those vegetables. Living, uh, you know, eventually kind of settling in on this ranch in Hurricane Mills, Tennessee, there's actually a museum there. And you can go online to KentuckyCountryMusic.com. I'll link it in the show notes. And you can get a behind-the-scenes look at the Loretta Lynn Ranch. And so if, links we were to ever go back to Tennessee again, we could actually go and visit if we wanted to. Oh, that, that would have been so cool. Oh, mm -hmm. We got to do another road trip sometime. Mm -hmm. After 52 top 10 hits, 16 number one hits, and of course this is in 1975, so like I said, this, these numbers could have changed. And being in the music industry for over 50 years, she says it's still her fans that matter most of all. Aww. Yeah. Like I said, she grew up in Butcher Holler. She grew up poor and says, in some ways, that was the best part of my life, learning how to survive. She said that even though she's got a million dollars in the bank, she could survive being poor again. Mm. So look, I checked Loretta Lynn's net worth and it's a little bit more than $1 million. <laughs> it's about $65 million. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. So here are some other facts about Loretta. She was married when she wasn't even quite 14 years old. What? She had... Yes, she had. We'll get into that in more detail. She had four babies by the time she was 18 and oh she was a grandmother God. at 29. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. So wow. her husband pretty much said, like, I raised you the way I wanted you to be. And she went 
from her father to her husband at age 13. And so basically, yeah, she was raised by her husband. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. She put out a song in 1975 called The Pill, something she did not have in her day. And if they did, she said, I'd have been swallowing them like popcorn. (laughs) Yeah, we are very lucky to have uh, the pill. Yeah. So no surprise, the men who ran the radio station at at the time banned it from being played. Wow. But we've got some story to get to before there. Mm-hmm. When Loretta eventually got to Nashville, this is just a little bit about country music. People called her and people who kind of sang the same kind of music as she did hillbilly singers and hardly gave country music respect. And so she's seen country music go uptown and she's proud that she was there when it happened. Mm. In terms of writing this book, she says it wasn't like writing a song. When she had an idea for a song, she scribbles it down on anything that's handy and then sings until the words give her a song. She says, people say I can't read or write because I've only got about a fourth grade education, but I can read and write some. I'm not pretending I know how to write a book, not even a book about me. She used an assistant writer and I know many people do that. You know what she could have used? What? She could have used a lesson in uh, Miss P's writing class. <gasps> yes. And actually, Miss P, <laughs> I don't, I think we can say the name, but like just in case, I would double check with her. Maybe on part two, I can say it. We'll see. But Miss P is actually being an assistant writer for someone. And I think the book is going to be huge, huge. Oh, yeah. So I can't wait. Ass- I cannot Assistant wait. writers. They are important, you know, and yeah, her assistant writer like used to live in Kentucky. He visited the coal mines and he speaks her language. He also traveled with her for a year and has been to Butcher Holler. So she told him, that's good, George, we're going to have us a hardback book. Doggone right. It's going to be a good book. Anything I go at, I go at it hard because I only do what I want. It's going to be the best book about country music because I don't take no seconds. I love her attitude. (laughs) Oh, wait till you just, yeah, she's incredible. (laughs) So this book called Coal Miner's Daughter is also the name of her biggest song. Teloretta Butcher Holler, uh, where she grew up, is the most important part of her life. She said that Butcher Holler may be the most backwards part of the country she's ever seen. And she's seen the whole country. She says that she's the most backward person you ever saw. She says, I never knew where babies came from until it happened to me. So she's got a great sense of humor. She's really, really smart. And she's hilarious. So let's kick things off by playing Coal Miner's Daughter. We were poor, but we had love. That's the one thing that daddy made sure of. He shoveled coal to make a poor man's dollar. My daddy worked all night in the Van Leer coal mine. All day long in the field of hoeing corn. All right. So Loretta actually starts her sets off with that song because if she doesn't people just kind of yell for it and request it the whole time yeah they're so waiting she, for it huh? yeah it's like i just get it out of the way and play it first that's the smart yeah so growing up in the mountains of butcher holler we're probably in kentucky or probably just as you might imagine if you can imagine it loretta never rode in an automobile until she was 12 years old and the first time she saw a toilet with running water was just before she got married wow She says that holler people are just different than anyone else. They live up in the hills one day at a time. She has relatives who have never been 10 miles away in their whole lives and that they are really beautiful people in their own way. You know, people talking, Mm -hmm. you know, people now, and I mean, I've even said it today, talking about getting back to simpler times, right? But she says holler people are already there. 
They know how to patch their houses and grow their gardens, and they're going to have the last laugh on everybody. Self-sufficient. Absolutely. When Loretta was little, the next big city was called Van Leer. And actually, I don't know how long ago it was, in the 2000s, Loretta got together with Jack White, and they made an album that won a Grammy, and it's called Van Leer Rose. So that's where the Van and Van Leer Rose comes from. So Van Leer was five miles away. It was a coal camp with rows of wooden houses that they rented to miners. There were around 10,000 people living there in the good times. They had a post office and company stores where you paid for your things in script. And if you went into debt, she says, just like the song says, you sold your soul to the company store. <laughs> there. Ah. <laughs> so, like the song. She says that she didn't know too much about prejudice growing up in Butcher Holler because they didn't know much about anything there. Mm. Both white and black people worked in the mines, but the black miners had to live separately. And by the time mm. Loretta was a well-known country musician, she did have a better understanding of racism when she started to kind of have her eyes opened up to the world a little bit. And this is one example of how she handled it in her career. In 1972, mm. she was up for the award for Best Female Singer, and she was to collect her award on national television. Charlie Pride, a black singer and musician who became the best-selling performer for RCA Records since Elvis, handed her the award handed her the award when she won. So ahead of time, people warned her not to kiss Charlie if she won because previous to that, a girl singer, they didn't say her name, was canceled after giving a peck to a black friend on television. But when Loretta wow. won, she gave him a big hug and a kiss on live television because she loved him, she loves his music, and she also didn't give a shit what anyone thought. She says, you know what? Nobody canceled on me. And if they had, fine. I'd have gone home to my babies and canned some string beans and the heck with them all. Oh, my God. I love her. Yeah. So we're kind of getting to know her a little bit. So Butcher Holler and Mountain People were very shy people. Growing up there, they would kind of hide and clam up if any strangers came up to visit or to do any kind of business or anything like that. Their uncles made moonshine. People were pretty independent. They raised chickens and hogs, corn and berries, and they didn't have the newspaper or really radios to listen to the news. Can you imagine that? It's no, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. The first time a car went up to her house was actually Doolittle's. And Doolittle would become her husband. And they would remain married uh, until his death in 1996. Yes, she married very young. And they stayed married. Wow. Mm-hmm. So Doolittle came courting her in his Jeep. It's this like red Jeep. And she says uh, it's about the same as ever up in Butcher Holler. Her fans have visited the old house and she says to get there, you have to ask directions because there's no signs. And she said that someday she would put her old bed and everything in her museum. And since this was in 1975, it's possible that it's all there. You know, if you go to that museum, that all her stuff from her old house is there. And then actually on the property, there is a recreation of the second home that her family lived in together. Mm, That's cool. This week's episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. Best Fiends has challenging puzzles, but it's a casual game anyone can play. I'm currently on level 284. Wow. I play every day, sometimes twice a day. I love how they've not only upped the challenges, but also keep it fresh with exciting new levels, vibrant visuals, and fun events. Yeah, I love the visuals. I've been really working hard on collecting all those adorable, cute, unique characters, and it's been a real fun distraction while I'm social distancing. I sit on my balcony every night and I play it. Worried about eating up your monthly data? Well, good news. Best Fiends does not require the internet to play, so keep on leveling up. Now, this works really well for me because I'm currently out in the country and sometimes Wi-Fi is not that reliable here. So I don't have to worry about that when I'm playing and I can just play my little heart out. 
Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. When Loretta would go up to visit her family afterwards, nobody ever treated her differently, which is a little bit different than some of the other stories that we've heard of. You know, the one that comes to mind is Ronnie Spector. Her family really changed. They relied on her for a lot of things when she got famous. But it really doesn't seem that way with Loretta's family. She also never paved the road up to Butcher Holler, even though people said that she should have so that, so that fans and people could get up easier. But you know what? She's the one who put Butcher Holler up on the map and she knew her father wouldn't have liked it paved. And she said, I waded out of the mud when I left Butcher Holler. And when I go back to visit, I wade through the mud again. They don't need no pavement. She sounds so down to earth. Yeah. Babies were delivered in their homes back in those days. And when Loretta was born, an 80-year-old blind woman delivered her. Her father had to sell. (laughs) Yeah. She just knew by the touch of her fingertips exactly <laughs> exactly how to deliver a baby. Her father had to sell his milk cow, Old Goldie, and pay $35 to have Aunt Harriet come and stay two weeks with her mother when she was born. Mm-hmm. Loretta grew up in a one-room cabin, and it was made out of logs. The cracks were filled in with clay. The walls were papered with Sears catalogs and movie magazines. Hmm. She was actually named after Loretta Young, whose picture hung above her crib. Oh, wow. Yeah. Loretta was born on April 14th, 1932. She believes in horoscopes, and she was born the year of the ram, so she's headstrong and doesn't like it when people tell her what to do. Interesting. Hmm. I don't even know what year I was born. Do you? Um, Which year were you born? I was born the year of the dragon. Hmm, I'd have to look that up. I'm the dragon. What that makes me, I'm not really sure. Fiery? Fierce. Fierce. Okay. Let's talk about Loretta's parents. We'll begin with Loretta's father. He unfortunately died at only 51 years old. He suffered from years of working in the mine. And again, unfortunately, he passed away before Loretta even started singing. Oh, no. That's too bad. Yes. Even still, Loretta feels like her father was the most important person in her life. She uh, Another one who's super connected to her pops. Oh, yeah. She had 14 years of him giving her love and security and really taught her to have respect for herself and to stand up for herself. Love it. In the movie, Coal Miner's Daughter, the father is played by Levon Helm. Oh, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was really cute, and I didn't even realize it. He was actually such a good actor. I didn't realize that it was Levon Helm until after, and me and TJ were like, oh, <laughs> okay. He did nice. a good job. Yeah. The worst feelings in Loretta's life was leaving her father to go out west, and she didn't see him right before he died, and it still pains her. Uh, so her father's name was Melvin Webb, but everyone called him Ted. He was a smaller man, but five foot eight and 117 pounds, and he was shy. But he could fix anything, he could make anything, and you pretty much had to do everything yourself up in the hollers or you'd die. So, yeah, very self sufficient. <laughs> His parents lived in Butcher Holler, and they were one of the first families that settled up there. His grandmother was Cherokee, and so Loretta says that that makes her a quarter Cherokee, and that was something that she was always very proud of. Her father didn't have much education, but he could read and write a little bit. When he was 20, he met Loretta's mother. They courted for two years, and then they got married. They built their house themselves. Right after the Depression, yeah, they began having children, eight in all, four boys, four girls. Her father was more easygoing than her mother. Her mother did most of the correcting. He only got angry if someone, as she puts it, would smart off at mommy. 
He was uh, always home. Like if he wasn't working, he was at home. He didn't have any bad habits. He was always teasing in a nice way. And Loretta took note of the nice way that he treated her mother. And she always wanted to be treated in that same way by a man. That's good. Did that actually happen? We'll get into that in a little bit of detail as we move on. He worked on the roads a few days a week, and he also worked in his big garden and patched up the house, and they did that to get through the Depression. For clothing, Loretta wore flower sacks that her mom sewed up as dresses. Hmm. Imagine that. Flower sacks sewed up as dresses. This was like a very popular thing back then, I think, especially in the 20s. I think it started because of the Depression, right? Yeah. One time Use all the material was... that you have. Oh, totally. And they were like the same thing with the animals that they shot and killed and ate and everything. Mm-hmm. One time she was gifted a really pretty blue dress with pink flowers and she took such good care of it. But one day, their hog snatched it and chewed it to bits. So that's life with (laughs) with pigs, I guess. When the Depression got better, her father bought a house with four rooms. And then this is the one that you see in the movie and in the pictures and the one that has the replica um, in Tennessee. That's when he began working as a coal miner. So my father worked in the mines and so did my grandfather. And I'm from a mining town. Um, It's actually called the Big Nickel. (laughs) And it was not uh, an easy profession at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And I could tell later on, I don't know where I was with my dad, but there were these paintings somewhere or you know, I think it was paintings that the miners had or the a man who had been a miner had painted about, you know, his struggles and probably didn't call it this at the time, but now I've come to know it as PTSD. And I think it kind of, I could tell that it stirred something up in my dad as well. And whenever he would go away for work, my mom would always be like so worried and she'd have a really hard time eating. And then as soon as he'd walk in the door, she'd like eat for days. <laughs> so Aww. not not an easy profession now. And it was probably even worse then. Anyways, his knees would be ripped up every day for from crawling. Uh, but he Aww. never complained. And then if he would have wore knee pads, then his back would have been all scraped up. And so Loretta oh, says, man. yeah. That he kept his family alive by breaking his own body down. Men would often get killed in accidents and explosions. And like I mentioned earlier, her dad suffered from high blood pressure and migraines that would make him cry. Yeah, there must be so many like underlying health issues with people who have that profession that, you know, we don't even know about. Not to mention black lung. And they didn't even know about that then, really. And so, yeah, when he, like, couldn't work anymore, they were just like, oh, well, sorry, bye. (laughs) So, yeah, they really didn't know that was a thing back then. And I think all of those factors were a huge part in his pretty young death. Mm -hmm. The Reddit family only owned their first radio when she was 11. So they especially loved the radio program called the Grand Ole Opry. Direct from Nashville, Tennessee. And Loretta can remember Molly O'Day as the first woman singer that she remembers hearing. Cool. So this is what Loretta says about her mother. I quote, The most beautiful woman in the world, a red-headed Irish girl, was her mother, and half Cherokee was her father. So mommy's one-quarter Cherokee with blue eyes and coal-black hair. So, uh, like I said kind of that um, Cherokee heritage is on both sides of the family. And that's something that Loretta was very proud of and always wanted to know more about. So Loretta always wanted to be as beautiful as her mother, but says that she never made it, (laughs) never made it to be as beautiful as her mother. But, you know, you can look back at the videos of Loretta singing and everything, and she's so charismatic and she is really beautiful in her own way. And 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Loretta's mother was named Clara, but everyone called her Clary, just like everybody called Loretta, Loretti. She discusses um, the Trail of Tears up where they lived, named after the time the U.S. government made the most made most of the Cherokee Nation leave the mountains. Uh, in World War One, Loretta's mother learned pretty much had a doctor her whole family when she was still young. She didn't get the fever, but when she was five and spent weeks running water to cool off her entire family. So at five years old, her mother kind of took care of her whole family for a little while. So Loretta's grandmother died when Loretta's mother was six. And then so she was, you know, on her own a lot. She She took care of other people's kids. She picked berries. She would sell them. And her mother really took care of people. She knew how to treat burns, colds, cuts, and would put out literal fires like when Loretta's dress caught on fire after she was sitting too close to the stove. Mm-hmm. Wow. Loretta's, yeah. Loretta's <laughs> mom had a tea for every occasion made out of roots and herbs. She drank coffee and smoked, but never let her kids do either of those things. <laughs> so I'm going to read you a little bit here about what it was like to smart off to mommy and just kind of her dad would say. Okay. So I still got into my share of trouble with mommy. I hated to wash dishes and I'd do anything to get out of it. I even hid the dirty dishes under the kitchen cabinet and one time mommy found out and cracked me over the head with a broomstick. Daddy saw this and said to her, no wonder she don't have no sense. At the time I thought... (laughs) Good old daddy, always sticking up for his little girl. You won't believe this, but it wasn't until after I was married that I figured out daddy wasn't exactly praising his little girl. (laughs) Oh, well, I mean, I guess it's nice that she can, you know, turn it into a funny story. (laughs) Exactly. After Loretta's father died, her mother moved to Indiana, remarried, I believe it was his first cousin. And like, I guess that's just a thing. Like, it might sound weird to us, but it was, like, just a thing that they did. They knew him. He was a good man. They trusted him. And uh, she ended up working at a home for children with special needs. Her bosses would say that nobody can heal a child like she can. And apparently, she could also read the coffee grounds to tell your future and had an extra sensory perception. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So she sounds like a pretty special woman. Mm -hmm. As a child, Loretta was mischievous always fighting with her brothers. She liked to draw attention to herself. So whatever she had done, you know, the kids always forgave her. So the firstborn in her uh, family was Melvin. Then it was Loretta, Herman, Jay Lee, Peggy Sue, Betty Ruth, Donald Ray, and Brenda. (laughs) I just thought the names were so cute. (laughs) So uh, the oldest and the youngest of the siblings were 15 years apart. Wow. She'd help out her aunt with her children. And sometimes in the winter, you would go three months without seeing anyone but your family. So you tend to get pretty close. She used to sleep on a pallet until she was nine. And she would sleep in a room with all of her siblings. But her mother uh, didn't want her sleeping in the same room as all of her brothers when she got about nine years old. So she moved into her parents' room into a regular bed until the day she was married. Like, I know, it seems kind of strange. It's just like... (laughs) We're like not going to address incest, but like just in case, let's just Uh move you out of there. (laughs) So, (laughs) I don't know. So, for meals, sometimes they only had bread dipped in gravy or as a treat, coal miner's steak, uh, which is actually bologna. They ate possums, squirrels. And squirrel with gravy and biscuits. Ew. You know, I I wouldn't Uh-oh. be surprised if my family back in, you know, in the day would shoot a squirrel some possums. and cook them up, you know? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I guess that's what you did then, you know? You got to eat. Yeah. yeah. They used all parts of the animals, the intestines, the brains, the feet, everything. 
And then they'd take what was left and make soap out of it. She tells a really funny story about a copperhead snake and how careful you had to be around there. Her dad actually had a pet snake. It was a black snake that would crawl up from the floorboards during dinner and he'd feed it. Hmm. And then it would crawl back down. And one time it even crawled into bed with Jay Lee. And one day when he was at work, her mother killed it with an axe because she didn't want a snake crawling in with her baby. <laughs> her dad was sad that he lost his little buddy, his little black snake. She was just protecting the babies. <laughs> just imagine that. Just mom like just chopping up a snake. <sighs> so Loretta really started singing when she would take care of the babies. Um, she would take them out to rock them on the porch and sing to them. And once she was singing to her baby brother, Jay Lee, uh, her dad said that she was going to ruin his ears by singing so loud, but she loved singing loud. She talked about some of her interesting uncles who made moonshine and went to jail for various things. Um, again, <laughs> the book to get the kind of detail on that. But it was one of her uncles that uh, had heard her from singing up in the mountains and said that she should really keep going with that and sounded really nice. Cool. For Loretta's schooling days, one way to make Loretta's mother mad was to say that her children didn't have an education. They did, but really, they could only get up to about grade four in Butcher Holler. I think there was a, the school down in Van Leer would go a little bit after that. but And then the school in Van Leer had a teacher for every grade. But for Loretta, it was one teacher from grades one to eight. So Loretta didn't have her driver's license for a long time because she was scared of taking the reading tests. But um, a public official she knew helped her get her license eventually. And it was kind of inspired by the Jaguar sports car that Dew gave her for Christmas in 1974. So that's when she eventually got her license. In terms of the education that she did get, she was able to write out her own letters to disc jockeys and fans. And they said it was like she made up her own language because she'd write out words like rememberize. She did eventually get help on those letters. Uh, the woman who helped take care of her children had two years of college experience and would help her write out her postcards. So cool. Loretta was really good to her fans. She'd send out 6,000 postcards every winter. Her kids would even lick the stamps. And uh, she says, you know, she believes she should thank them if they took the trouble to write. Oh, for sure. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. But back in the day, you know, they'd usually have six or seven teachers a year. It was really hard for the the teachers to stick around. I think the kids gave them a really hard, a really hard time. And Loretta said that they were mean and she was mean. She was a mean kid and there were a lot of mean kids, but they were all kind of mean to each other. And that's just how they were. Growing up tough. Yep. Loretta never had any boyfriends until Doolittle came along. She was too busy fighting with boys to be interested in them. When mm -hmm. she got a bit older in school, she got a job going to school early to start the fire. She got paid a dollar a month. She also cleaned erasers and did uh, odd jobs. She went to school up to the eighth grade and she liked eighth grade so much that she did it again. So she says, <laughs> don't forget, there wasn't any ninth grade. And even though they went up to eighth grade, since it was like only one schoolhouse, it really was only like getting up to fourth grade. So however that works. Yeah. But she also liked yeah. school because there was singing there and then the schoolhouse doubled as a church on Sundays. Wow. So one thing about that, you know, Loretta's mom getting mad. People said that she didn't have an education. She'd be like, like, Loretta, you did so well in school. But one of Loretta's various odd jobs was helping the teacher write out the report card. So Loretta gave herself a's <laughs> oh my god that's like a dream job for any kid at school <laughs> yep <laughs> loretta says that when people ask her what kind of music they sang they sang back in eastern kentucky in those days she says well it was our own music most of their songs told a story you could you could tell me that there's the old-fashioned way people had of telling the news so before newspapers and radio uh they passed on legends by singing them. She says that most country songs are ballads and they are like singing true songs about people, for example, like getting killed. Most of the songs were learned from friends and family, not on the radio because they didn't have the radio until she was 11. But the first song that she can remember hearing was a song by Ernest Tubb. 
And Ernest Tubb has a cameo in the coal miner daughter, coal miner's daughter movie. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. There's an, another little interesting story that I'll mention. Why not? This episode is going to be a two-parter, so we're going to make space for these funny little stories. And it's about when Butcher Holler finally got a doctor. The doctor used to make house calls, and during snowstorms, the doctor had a friend named Doolittle Lynn who had a mule that used to take the dock up into the mountains. And the fun fact about this is that the mule was blind. Why is everyone blind? <laughs> I don't know. I guess they have other kinds of perception or other kinds of senses that they use. So and it makes them better at their job. I like how like even with people and animals, like you said, like they use everything as to the most of their ability. Right. Yeah. You got a blind mule. It's not like just because. Run them up the mountain. Exactly. A blind women helping women give birth hey she's got her hands right so yeah (laughs) yeah everyone has a use everything has a use i like it so doc would go up uh to the school he would give the kids their typhoid shots and loretta would always be one of the first to volunteer she'd go first and say see it don't hurt So Loretta really did like attention and she was really tough. And this doctor actually helped Loretta deliver her first two babies. Doc and Doolittle remained friends for years. And Loretta says, Doc and Doolittle liked to drink and talk about that old blind mule until the two of them were about as blind as the mule. (laughs) Loretta Loretta really gives growing up in Butcher Holler um, a lot of credit for her music because she says, I don't think we could play our kind of country music if we didn't come from little places like Butcher Holler. And on that note, we are going to listen to the song You're Looking at Country. What you see Cause if you're looking at me You're looking at country You don't see no city when you look at me Cause the country's all I am I love running barefooted through the old corn fields And I love that country hand Well you say I'm a man just a bit your plan But there's a barnyard shovel that's a good one. Like that so one. Fun. If you're looking at me, you're looking at country. <laughs> That's right. Okay, let's get into Loretta's relationship with her husband, Doolittle. She met him at the little school in Butcher Holler, and she was just a kid. He was a grown man, 21 years old, if you want to consider that a grown man. She says he was a grown man, but he was 21. He already fought in World War II and had worked in coal mines around the country. So he had a bit more of a worldly education than she did, right? And Mm -hmm. I'll just say right off the bat that, no, her parents were not happy about this. So it's not like that they, they were just oh. like, oh, cool. And like, it's not that it was yeah. like, no, that's how it was in, in, in the time. Like, it was normal for 13-year-olds. Like, no, that was still young even for, for then. Do you know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So I'm going to read what she says about Doolittle. In most ways, Do has been a good husband. He's worked hard all his life to get things for me and the kids. I don't want to say he's never fooled around or gotten drunk or whipped me into line a little because that ain't the truth. There were plenty of bad moments in our marriage, but I've always respected my husband's common sense. When he's traveling with me, I know things are going to work more smoothly because Dew is there supervising things. I feel safe when he's around. Hmm. Yeah. So she says, "Interesting." that's why I get mad when people make remarks about my husband. If it wasn't for Doolittle, there would be no career. 
I wouldn't have started singing in the first place, and I wouldn't have had the inspiration for some of my best songs in the second place, and I never could have run my business. So in a real sense, Doolittle is responsible for everything we've got. Let's get that straight away. They were a team in that respect. They were. They were. In regards to writing this autobiography, Doolittle wanted Loretta to tell the truth about the relationship. I think she went a little easy on him. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the movie, there he was portrayed as a bit more brutal in the movie than she portrayed him in the book. Now, I don't know if because she's written a second book after this, and I think maybe she got into more of the details of the marriage. So maybe it's somewhere in between those two things. You know, he did work hard all of his life. He didn't just sit around and like allow her to get famous and be like, I don't never have to work again. He was always working. He spent half of the year running the ranch and then he spent the other half like running her roadshow. So he was always the life of the party. And she's like, you know, he can get away with more from her than she can get away from him. So he could really kind of make an ass of himself. But she always kind of had to be a little bit better behaved. Yeah. They did begin with this kind of like father-daughter relationship dynamic. And it always kind of remained for them. Yeah. So they met at a... It's weird. <laughs> like, like, it's weird. I'm not saying like, <laughs> cool. Like, I'm glad it happened. Like, fucking 13 years yeah. old. I'm just just giving you the facts here. <laughs> so oh, they met at a pie social. At a pie social? At a pie social. All it, it, so it's an event where the whole town goes to probably the school that doubled as the church, that doubled as the community center. <laughs> and all of the young girls bake a cake. And then the cake, I mean pie. And then the pies get bid on by the boys in the town. And then they spend like the next half an hour hanging out and eating the pie. It seems weirdly sexual. And I guess it kind of is. But <laughs> Interesting. It is. That's what it is. So Loretta also <laughs> sang in the talent show. She was also in the beauty contest and also in the cakewalk. And, you know, there weren't that many kids to participate. So she was in everything. Yeah. So one of the events was the pie bidding. And if you, yeah, if paid the most for the pie, you got the girl. And so Loretta won the beauty contest um, because it was also a bidding thing. And whichever girl got the most money on the bid won the contest. And so Du in his soldier uniform bid on Loretta. He paid a lot of money for her. (laughs) He outbid somebody else. He spent $5 on her pie, which, um, you know, she accidentally used salt instead of sugar. She wasn't a very good cook at the time. (laughs) And I looked it up. It's like the equivalent of $72 today. So he spent like $72 on her pie. Yeah. Damn. Yep. He walked her home that night. She refused to get into his Jeep. She's like, I'm not going home in that. If you want to accompany me home, you you can walk with me. And so he did. And he kissed her goodnight. And as he walked home, he like hit his head on a tree branch, got a bloody nose, and he was in love. Uh-huh. So her mother heard about the beauty contest and the pie bidding. And when she heard that Doolittle won Loretta, she was not happy because she thought he was too old for her, which he was. And he had a bad yeah. reputation. And she said, he's the wildest thing around here and you can't go with him. Loretta nodded her head, but she was already thinking about the next time he'd come around again. Their families had a lot in common. They were both familiar with coal mining. Their families came from similar places. For work, after fought in the war, Doolittle hauled milk on a mule. And since he was already doing that, he would also haul moonshine, which is where he got his nickname Mooney from. Do got up to his first year in high school and then his father left for work and he didn't come back. And so he was kind of responsible for his mother and his nine siblings. Jesus. Yeah. So many babies. Yeah. So after the night that they met, he just kept hanging around Loretta's house. And um, this is really weird. For Christmas, he bought her a doll. And he said that he was going to marry her. And by next Christmas, they'd have a real live doll. She had Uh, no idea what he was talking about. Of course, because she's a kid. I know, I know. So her mother (laughs) was so opposed. So was her father. They were so opposed to this that they sent Loretta off to live with her aunt. But Doolittle found her and went and picked her up in his Jeep and took her home. 
And then I guess the parents, they were just like, all right, there's nothing like we can do about this. And they started going out on dates. Her mother kept telling her she was too young to get married, but Loretta was persistent. And not too long after they started dating, Dew asked her to get married, and Loretta said yes. Oh, man. Her dad cried all night <laughs> when he was told of the marriage. and But, like, you know, he didn't stop them. Either. I don't know if there was much that he could have done. and But her yeah. mom did say to her, this is something you'll regret for the rest of your life. Wow. And so there were times when Loretta thought that her mother was right and times when she knew that her mother was wrong. So her mother let her get married because she said Loretta always looked and acted older than her age and there was no use in arguing. So Loretta mm. and Dew got married on January 10th. She said that she was the ugliest bride you ever saw because she was wearing her aunt's dress that fell below her knees. She didn't even have or know about rings until later in her life when men would start hitting on her at shows and be like, well, you don't have no ring. And she'd be like, oh, okay, I guess I should get one. <laughs> when they got married, Du wrote down his name as Oliver Vanetta Lynn. And Loretta was like, who's that? Because she thought that Doolittle was his real name. Oh, my goodness. Loretta writes about the wedding night as being, like, uh. like not great, but yeah. she didn't write about it as being as brutal as the movie played it out to be. So Loretta thought that her parents got her by turning over a cabbage leaf. Like, that's what they said, how they got her. Oh, my God. They didn't tell her anything about that? No. She didn't know anything. And so Dew's mother got Loretta a nightgown as a gift, and she'd, like, never had one before, so she put it over her clothes. Like, nothing was explained to her. And so they had sex that night, and she says that she just kind of lied there. She says that back then, sex didn't mean much to her. She had picked up that kind of old woman attitude of sex was fun for men but not for women so Doolittle got some sex books for her to read and it wasn't until she was older that she even started enjoying it so it was actually sure. a doctor in her 20s that explained to her how she could have an orgasm or as she called it how you can help yourself the movie actually this might bring back memories for you of watching it but the movie on their wedding night depicted a rape because maybe in 1980 mm. they didn't call it that but Sissy Spacek playing Loretta in yeah. the movie is yelling no the whole time. Oh, so. man. A little bit different than what she says in the book. But again, you know, if Loretta had any kind of uh, power over the movie, maybe that had to maybe they did that for dramatic effect. Maybe that is really what happened. I'm not sure. I haven't read the second book. Yeah. Four months into Loretta's marriage, she went to the doctor because she was feeling sick. No. So she's, you know, just doctor, I'm, I'm just, I'm having trouble. I'm not feeling well. And the doc examined her and said, honey, your trouble is that you're pregnant. And Loretta didn't oh, even know what man. pregnant meant. But she said, I can't have no, no baby. Yet. But, you know, it was she explained to her. Baby. Yeah, like you're married and you're sleeping with your husband. So you're pregnant. And Loretta used to tell her mom that she didn't want to rock babies no more because that's what she would do for her siblings and her cousins. And there she was about to have one of her own, a real life doll by next Christmas. Wow. Just yeah. like you said. Exactly. Well, he was getting what he wanted. Just exactly. Ugh. Loretta admits that she was too young to be living with a man. Dew had been with other women before they got married, and when she was two months pregnant, he sent her to live with her parents because she believed he wasn't happy with her and wanted to be with a few other women. She sucked at cooking. So, you know, if a way to a man's heart was through his stomach, Loretta was in trouble. At work, you know, after work, when Dew came home from the mines, if he didn't like what Loretta had cooked, he'd just throw it out over the porch. But, Jesus. you know... <laughs> You know, Loretta put an end to Doolittle's affair by writing a letter to the woman that he was with saying that he was married and she better knock it off. And Loretta even wrote a song about a woman who was making eyes with Doolittle on tour. And so, you know, Loretta was very much not possessive, but she was like, he's my husband. You know, she was always like that. She kind of stood up for herself in that sense right from the beginning and then took that into her career. And uh, so I think we should play the song called Fist City. I love it. <laughs> 
You've been making your brags around town that you've been loving my man. But the man I love when he picks up trash, he puts it in a garbage can. And that's what you look like to me. And what I see is a pity. You better close your face and stay out of my way if you don't want to go to this city. You better detour around my town Cause I'll grab you by the hair of the head And I'll lift you off of the ground I'm not a saint, my baby's a saint Cause he ain't and that he won't pat around with a kitty Yeah, so Fist City, you know, a song letting women know that they were gonna get a mouthful of knuckles <laughs> if they kept it up. That's so great. I love it. Oh, yeah. All right. We're going to wrap up part one here. A year after they got married, Du moved them to Washington for his work, even though he had promised Loretta's father that he wouldn't take her out of town. So Loretta's dad cried as he put her on the train. It was her first time leaving town. But there she learned how to cook because they lived with a few other people that Doolittle was working with. She had her baby. And she honestly thought that if you wanted a boy, you got a boy. And if you wanted a girl hmm. baby, you got a girl baby. So they well, were shocked. I mean, she didn't know about anything else. <laughs> they were shocked. Not really surprising. She- yeah, well, she was shocked when they had a girl because Doolittle had, you know, like like those men in those times, you know, I want a son, carry on my name and yeah. all that. But they had a daughter and they named her Betty Sue. And the doctor was actually surprised mm. that Loretta was able to carry the baby to term because Loretta was so small. She was like 14 years old. So a year later, she had a boy and they named him Jack Benny. A year after that came Ernest Ray. And 11 months after that, a girl who they didn't name until she was four. But they eventually settled on Clara Marie. Whoa, (laughs) that was a lot of babies in a short amount of time. Yes. So at 18 years old, she asked her doctor how she could stop having babies. And the doctor (laughs) said, like, you know, you're 18. You should really be having your first baby now, like not your fourth. But here's a here's a diaphragm. Thank God someone finally gave her one. I know. Right. So (laughs) that the song, The Pill for Loretta was really important. And because she, she thought it was really important for women to take their health and their choices into their own hands and to be educated about what the possibilities were. So we'll we'll play that to finish off this episode, but just a few more things. At the time uh, when Loretta was raising these children, her entertainment was staying home and singing along with the radio. Dew would be out with the boys having a few beers and uh, she would sit home and she'd sing. So it's like a school training exactly exactly and so loretta had not yet begun her singing career yet and wow it's just around this time after having her four children and practicing singing at home you know do little had given her a guitar for her 14th birthday and so she'd been practicing more one day do little said you know you're actually a really good singer and then that is what sparks Loretta's next 60 years into her music career. And that's where we're going to stop with part one of Loretta Lynn. Oh, my God, that was so good. And I'm so glad you split it up because that was a lot to take in and so interesting in itself. And I can't wait to hear about her career and how that affected everything. And this was great. My goodness, Loretta. What a story. So I know, right? So like that, I I thought that her upbringing was so fascinating. And I thought that all of those little details and knowing all of that stuff about her was going to be really important to really understand how amazing her success was as a country music musician, as a woman in music and all of these things. So we'll finish it there for today. You know, our next episode that airs on regular time will be part two all about Loretta Lynn's singing career. Amazing. Thank you so much, Shanti. No problem. And so we'll finish this episode by playing The Pill. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. You and me and dine me 
You'd show me the world But all I've seen of this old world Is a bed and a doctor bill I'm tearing down your brooder house Cause now I've got the pill All these years I've stayed at home While you had all your fun And every year that's gone by Another baby's come Muses is produced by Chantal Lemieux and Lynx O'Leary and is part of the Pantheon family of podcasts. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at pantheonpodcasts.com. All songs can be found wherever you get your music. Please download and purchase these great and important tracks. Come find us at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. Or see us at R&R Archaeology on Instagram. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.